Enterprise is a new podcast hosted by Gene Hopkins, Chief Marketing Officer at Lola.com. Gene has built and led marketing teams, authored top-selling marketing materials, and served on advisory boards all around Greater Boston. With Table Fries, Gene sets out to interview every woman working at Lola.com. Gene will talk about motivation, what makes a good day, and we'll connect the dots between guests in a special way. At Table Fries, there's always room to share. So grab small plates and don't forget the dipping sauce. To find all the new and previous episodes of Table Fries, check out your favorite podcast platforms or visit us at lola.com slash tablefries. And don't forget, Gene is building Boston's next great B2B marketing team at lola.com. So be sure to stay updated on new roles at the lola.com careers page. Table Fries, where sharing is caring. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Table Fries. This is our show for the women of Lola.com. And we call it Table Fries because we like to share a lot. And today sharing with me is Susan. Susan has been on the Wombat team for a number of years. Welcome, Susan. Glad Thank to you. have you. Thanks, Jean. It's That's, good to be here. Yeah, of course. You, this is going to be a lot of fun. We've interviewed a lot of Wombats on the show. And Wombats are people that have started as a Wombat and moved up through the ranks. You're a leader on the team. Why don't you tell us how you joined Lola and, and what was the story that got you here? Well, I'm a little bit different than most of the wombats here. It was an interesting transition for me. I was a stay-at-home mom for a number of years and then I went back to work in a customer service role that was from home just because it, it worked with my schedule. I ended up working with Stacy at that company. When Stacy left, the culture felt very different mm. and our team felt a lot less supported, I guess you could say. Well, she is. She is like she's pretty she's, amazing. Yeah, she's the connective tissue. Yes. She really is. Yes. I can see that. She is. So I really missed that. And then I had heard she ended up here and she was building a team. So my youngest was a senior in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was looking at what am I going to do with my life? And so I reached out to her and I ended up as one of the first wombats on the team. I've been mm-hmm. here since the beginning, about three and a half years ago. Wow, wow. And, you know, it's pretty crazy I, at this stage of the game to be starting a a new career. Well, it, it is. I mean, you're taking care of our business travelers, which is not unlike taking care of your family True. and True. Uh, all the special things that you do. And you, you are known in the company for baking these amazing cakes and um, decorating. How, how did you get into that? How did you start doing the cake with the fondant and your edible flowers and everything? Mm-hmm. So it's funny how that is what I'm known for because everybody (laughs) seems to think that I am so good at it when really it's just, to me, it's just an outlet for my creativity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being a person that was always an arts and crafts person as a kid Mm -hmm. that then went into business after college, I always felt like there was something missing and Mm -hmm. I didn't have that creativity. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, just watching those cake shows. It was something that, they, that my family and I used to do for fun. Yeah, yeah. Was, Cake um, Boss and those, yeah. Exactly. How fun. So, you know, I'm really self-taught just from watching TV as awful as that sounds, but... No, it's good. I mean, it's it's fascinating because I've looked at some of the cakes that you've brought in and I've tried making special cakes for my twins and I 
just terrible at it. And, you know, but on the other hand, you want to make something. I want to, there's some things that I can make very well, but the cake thing is, it's, it's hard. It's, it's very, it's precise. There's, and when you're covering it, there's with the fondant and being able to make it into shapes, we should definitely, Jay, include some pictures of some of the awesome cakes that Susan made. So you join Lola and you do have a creative outlet here because you're always trying to problem solve. So is there a story that you could tell about something that you solved recently? I know we get so many thank you notes um, from our travelers, but is there anything you can speak to right now from how we got them home in time? Right, right. No, I definitely can. We actually have this great program here for the Wombats. It's unlike anything that... I've ever seen it any customer service position I've been in before where we're all given a certain number of what we call WOM dollars every mm-hmm. year, and we can use these just to delight customers. So uh, recently, I had a customer who had booked a hotel and wanted to get Marriott points. It turned out it wasn't a Marriott hotel that he had booked. Oh, jeez. So he wasn't... <laughs> well, how can you do that? He wasn't <laughs> getting his Marriott points. So, uh, you know, I felt awful, and he... It was it was a misunderstanding on how the product worked right, that, right, that right. caused it, which was valid feedback for us. And yeah, of course, we course. really appreciate that. And we report every one of those. And I started to think, like, what can I do to make this person mm-hmm. feel better? Like, that's going to feel awful. Like, of course, I'm not going to get Marriott points when I didn't book a Marriott mm-hmm. hotel. But I, you know, I really appreciated the fact that mm-hmm. he explained why it had happened. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to do something for him that would make up for it because yeah. it was a valid mistake that he had made. Yeah. So I went on Marriott's website and they had gift cards. Like who knew hotels had gift cards? So I got him a gift card for for Marriott to make up for the points that he didn't get for staying at a different hotel. And I wrote a a note with it. I had it sent here instead of just sent to him via email and wrote a note with it and sent it off to him. And it turned out that he was, he knew somebody within the company. So he reached out to the person that he knew to say something to them. Well, that's fantastic. That makes you feel good about doing so. Solving, solving a, that is uh, it's uh, it, that is great. Um, single word, single word that would describe you. Do you have one? I've listened to some of the other podcasts and people at my last job where, as I said, Stacy worked at, always called me tenacious. Now I realize other people are called tenacious uh-huh. as well, so I feel like that's a cop-out. I do think that's true, but I think that one that might be a little more descriptive is hyper-focused. Okay. And I say that because when I have a customer who has an issue with a hotel, it, that makes me angry that a hotel could treat somebody like that. I can't stop calling the hotel and constantly trying to get them to do the right thing. Um, And when I am working and I'm in the zone and all the wombats are around me talking, I don't hear anything that they say, which is really kind of funny now with it so busy around here and noise is becoming an issue in the office with so many people in in a space that's too small for us. But it doesn't bother me at all because I, yes, I, to, to a fault. Well, you and I both, we take the train from Alewife to South Station, and both you and I have been so focused on the train that we've missed South Station, and we've ended up in JFK UMass and had to get off and get on the other side so that we can get back to, back to work. So, you know, that concept of being hyper-focused. When you go home at the end of the day, which we know you do, you do go home, and when you go home, how do you know it's been a good day for you? What does it feel like? A good day is when 
I have helped someone and make something better. It, mm-hmm. it could be one of the wombats that reports to me and, mm-hmm. you know, I've done something that has made their life easier, whether I've pitched in and helped or maybe I've let, helped them see something about themselves that mm-hmm. makes them feel better. Or if I'm with a customer, making someone's day by fixing a problem that they sure, were having sure. or, or taking something off their plate that they didn't have to do. Well, that's pretty nice, and I'm sure people appreciate that. What was the last book that you read, or is there a book that you read recently that particularly connected with you, and what was it in? The last book I read that also connected mm-hmm. to, with me, so that was that was easy, the same answer for both those questions, is um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Dweck? That's okay. It's one, I can't remember if it's Dweck or Dweck, but it, it's actually one of the books in the book club here. Okay. I actually read it not knowing that my husband had ordered it and Mm -hmm. it was sitting on the nightstand and I picked it up and started reading it and he couldn't pry it out of my hands, which is not my normal type of book. Reading books for self-help or or work is not usually my style, but something really connected with the way that she talked about the fact that people can change and that you shouldn't pigeonhole people and see that maybe think they can make improvements on themselves that will allow them to be the people that they want to be. Right. Did you finish the whole book? I did. You did? And are you and you're recommending it to others? I would listeners. recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, definitely. And it was something that our book club did. That's yes, interesting. Our book club does it too. Oh, that's wonderful. Sounds great. The one piece of advice that you would give to your 18-year-old self. So you, you've had children that have gone through the 18-year-old stage. Mm-hmm. So if you could imagine yourself being 18 again, what would you say to yourself? I can easily imagine myself being 18 again. <laughs> as sad as that sounds, because I it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, it but it was. Wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Um, I think I would say, do what you love. Take a chance and do what you love. Right. I think that. So many times at 18 years old, people are given advice to make sure that what it is they set out to do in life is something that they can they can make money at and su- sustain themselves. And I think that that's certainly important. But I think a lot of times people end up in a role that isn't what they isn't what they love. and Well, they haven't had enough experience to be able to try different things. It's interesting. I was, I've been reading this book called Range, and it's talking about those people that focus on this very narrow area, and then they become expert on it, but then they become aggressive and arrogant because that's their area of expertise versus those individuals that have learned a variety of different things, and they've exposed themselves to more things. They're more range and are able to put things into boxes and they're more accepting of others, that sort of thing. And maybe it ties back into mindset where you can be or do whatever you want to do. It's just a matter of making some of the changes mentally to be able to do it. So the concept of having a general education or an education that is not so narrowly focused on a specific business aspect, for example, is good for people to be able to be exposed to as much as things. So like do what you love, even if it's an avocation, Go to school, but still make sure that you're doing something, whether it's art or English or anything that is something that you want to enjoy. And that that's what you did. You not do that. Do you feel like you focus too much on something? No, I feel like I did exactly okay. what you just said, yeah. which was 
not experience different things. I don't think I took a chance and really knew what I wanted to do. I think I just did what was supposed to be done. You know, you're supposed to, yes, you're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to have a job in business. My son, a few years ago, almost did the same thing. Mm -hmm. He was applying to schools for business, which when I looked at him, this, that wasn't really what he loved. And we had a lot of conversations and eventually he did decide to take a chance and major in film. And he has never excelled as much at school as he has since he left for college. So he loves it. And Jay, Jay, our producer today, he's majoring in film at Quinnipiac, so he knows what it's like. He's one of the things that he's doing. Here, Ashley always likes this question. It usually involves food service, so I'll just (laughs) go with that. What was your worst job and why? I actually did have a food service job in high school. My first job was at Burger King. Oh, my gosh. And surprisingly, I wouldn't say that that was my worst job. Even as I remember sliding across the floor, (laughs) having to change my clothes as soon as I would get home because I was covered in grease. My worst job was probably my first job out of college where I went to work for uh, in a distribution place. And the reason it was, when, when I look back at my jobs, the, the jobs that were my worst jobs are the jobs where I felt like I wasn't appreciated, where my efforts weren't appreciated. And... I, w- I did feel like I was appreciated at Burger King, so that was not my worst job. The worst, jo- the worst jobs are the ones where people make you feel bad about what you are doing or people make you feel like you can't make right. the, your own decisions, and that's what it was like at this job. Like, my job was to decide which product was going to which store, and there were a team of 20 of us, and oh the manager was would post something that said, this is where you should send everything. What am I doing here? Exactly. Exactly. You know, you can key punch that in. You don't need the 20 of us. Wow. So that was... Well, that's that's a cultural decision too, and and it's also good. <laughs> it's good to be able to recognize that you've been with Lola for three and a half years. Has there been any significant changes in those three and a half years? I mean, I say significant because we have pivoted from a business model. Our go-to-market has changed. I mean, what has been the most surprising thing after three and a half years that you've been here? So much has changed since <laughs> I have been here. It's a completely different product. It's all different people. There's so many people here now. I think that the most surprising thing is that... I guess the most surprising thing when I first got here was just the quality of the people that were around me. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just so thoughtful and so great at explaining themselves and, and really in it for the right reasons. And that's still true to this day, which I think that is probably surprising. We've, we're yeah. a completely different company in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We're three times the size yeah, that yeah. we were last year alone, mm-hmm. and yet we still have all these amazing people around. and. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the young kids around here, and they're just so impressive. I know, I know. Our interns are just awesome. We're going to be moving to a new office. Yes. And what is the thing? I know, you can't (laughs) wait. So what is the one thing that you're looking forward to at the new office? Being able to schedule a meeting and get a conference room. (laughs) You know, that used to be so easy around here, and and now it's 
go to schedule even... a meeting for next week and I can't get a room. No, you can't find a room, I know. And uh, I like to um, sometimes book uh, a room for three hours, like on a Friday for quiet time. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing anymore. Every single room, including our podcast room here, is taken. Mm-hmm. People are bursting at the seams. I know that we're having meetings in the hallway, uh, which is a real challenge. But Yeah, yeah I've done that too. Yeah. Hallway, up the street at Starbucks. Yeah. Not that it's very private at uh, Starbucks and stuff. I mean, yeah, we definitely Not need a, a little bit more space. Not a good place for one-on-ones. Yes. <laughs> it, I have to say it's probably better than the lobby, which I've done as well. One-on-ones? That's a tough place to do them, I think. Yeah. Your favorite Lola value. What would be your favorite Lola value? Is it Lola Pack, Wicked Loving, Customer Core, Humble Learner? You know, we want to be, we care about our customers. We are Wicked Loving, you know that. And we like to be humble learners. And we think about each other as part of a pack. But which one, is there a favorite of yours? Or It's hard to pick them. I mean, as a customer service person, clearly... I love customers. Clearly, I'm wicked loving with the people around me and the customers. But I have to say, I think it's probably Lola Pack. Yeah. And I think that's because I just have a, a strong need to feel like I belong. Maybe that is because that's how I, it's part of what validates me mm-hmm. to know that I am valued by the people around me and I and I belong somewhere. Yeah, you were um, you kept the home fires burning on Wednesday when we <laughs> had our fourth annual Lola Quest on uh, Thompson Island and you were keeping things. So what were you thinking when you were looking at some of the photos from the event? Well, I was happy to stay back. I wasn't supposed to be someone that was staying. We had we had a team of wombats that were already staying to take care of our customers. It's part of our job. We're right, here right. 24-7. There's right. always someone that misses one of the events in our team. I was supposed to actually be helping. I was going to be doing the slip and slide. Ah. I've Every year I have helped, and it's great. It's such a great event, and I can't even believe how amazing it was this year. Even though I wasn't there, I could yeah. see from the pictures, and I loved seeing the pictures. Yeah. When I decided last minute that I needed to stay back with the people that we had on the team that were staying, mm-hmm. um, it was an easy decision for me. I didn't want to leave them hanging. I didn't sure. want the people that were, the wombats that were going, that were worried that there wasn't enough people back here for oh. our customers to worry about that. And and thankfully, I know that Emily always overschedules people for the different stations. So I figured there was probably a way that she would be able to do without one of the helpers. So I just, I mean... I loved seeing everybody having a great time. My one request when I made the decision to stay back was send pictures. Yes, and you we tried. Let me live vicariously. Yeah, there you go. And, that's and it was a for busy me. day. Were you glad that you ended up staying? Yes. Did it make a huge, yeah, made a yeah. huge difference? No, I'm yeah. very glad that I was staying. I was also the on-call that night, too, so I knew. I was worried about being able to get uh, back yeah. in time for that in case yeah. anyone needed me. And we were on an island, so were we going to have good enough service that I'd be able to we help We actually had really good service. Okay. We had Wi-Fi and we had cell coverage and everything. So it worked out pretty well. I mean, all things considered, that's great. So we're wrapping up here and I usually ask my guests, do you have a question for me? I do. You do, okay. So what made you come to Lola? What made me come to Lola? Part of it was Mike Volpe 
and I trust him, and I've worked for him before, and I know how he runs a business, and I worked for him at HubSpot for three years. And when he invited me here to talk, it was an interesting business problem that I could totally relate to from a business travel. I've been a road warrior. I understand the drill of female traveling, traveling with groups, conferences, you know, all that kind of stuff, understand all of that. That was part of it. But when I met the people here, when I had a chance to meet Liz, as an example, when I got to meet Paul for an example, when I got to meet the different people on the team, Stacy, just all these individuals, I thought to myself, these are people that are so unlike the usuals, the usual suspects that you come across. I, I get a lot of requests for CMO slots. There's lots of people that recruiters are always sending me things and I'm always, I'm writing, you know, I'm very happy where I am, that sort of thing. And it's amazing to me, I have gone to companies and it's odd that at times the face that they show you in the interview process and then I've made some very bad decisions based on not being able to properly ascertain the BS meter and joining them and then going, oh my goodness gracious, I this was like not a good decision. And then you're kind of stuck when you make a choice like that. But And you try to make the best of it. You try to do everything possible to bring along team members and to do the right thing. But I like the idea that I was going to be able to build something from the ground floor. Plus I had Emily, um, which she's awesome and party of one for 18 months doing marketing. And she clearly needed help. She wanted a mentor. She wanted to grow. She wanted to learn. And as we hired the team members, um, I was lucky enough to be able to do that and feel that we had a good product, good product market fit, good pricing. We had a fantastic support team. So everything was there. Everything was there. And, and then it was just up to me to be able to maximize it and help the company grow as quickly as possible. In addition to Ryan being hired at the same time, because I worked with him at HubSpot and we both talked to each other before we accepted our positions. I wasn't going to accept if he, you know, and he wasn't unless, you know, it was one of those things because we knew the drill. We had the same kind of mental mindset on things. And it's important for me to be incredibly aligned with sales and then product. So to have that triumvirate within the organization, it's unusual. I was very happy to be given the opportunity to learn from this, so I was pretty excited. If I remember right, you weren't sure you were coming in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it was it was uh, it was a little. Um, the rumor was you, there you ha- there was someone, but we weren't sure if she was going to take it yet, and. Yeah, because it's a startup and I'm the sole wage earner in my family. I have two 21-year-old daughters that are in college and it really had to be a family decision to take the cut and pay and look at it for the long term. So that was kind of it. Not that I didn't want to, but you had to kind of look at it and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it should never always be about money. Sometimes it's got to be able to say, if I do this, this is what's going to happen and this is how we're going to have to tighten our belts collectively. So it all worked out. My daughters are happy. My husband is happy. Everything is great. And I I feel like I made the right decision, definitely. Right, good. good. That's what we want to hear in the end, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're well, not going you. anywhere. <laughs> thank you, Susan. Thank you so much for being on Table Fries. Thank and thank you. you, Jay, for helping to produce this. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to everyone soon. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Table Fries with host Gene Hopkins from Lola.com on the Funnel Radio Network. Be sure to subscribe on TableFries.com. Table Fries is brought to you by Lola.com. 
super simple corporate travel software from the travel innovators who brought you Kayak. Whether you want better visibility into travel spend, help managing your corporate travel program, or 24-7 human-powered support while you're on the road, Lola.com is the perfect solution. Lola.com, a better way to travel for business. Don't